I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Chester disease. Well, have you ever wanted something so much you would do anything to get it? Well, I have wanted something that much, and that is a drug called Velcrop. When I first was diagnosed with Erdan Chester, it was so rare and I feel that the doctors were, they put me on treatment um, right away, the only one that they knew of at the time. So I started with injections and once I was on that so long that my liver started to fail, I had to take another drug and then another drug. And in the interim, they had been um, researching Zelbaroff with Erdogan Chester disease and it was something that they were having huge positive results on. So I knew I needed to access that drug. It was approved in Canada for melanoma, but not for my type of cancer. So I began an eight month, 18 month long fight to get this drug. I want to introduce someone to you today and her name's Andre and she's my best friend. And when I say best friend, I mean soul sister. There's nobody, you know, closer to me other than my husband and my children than her. And I feel that without her in this fight, I wouldn't have been successful. Welcome, Andre. Hi, Kelly. That is so sweet. You've never been so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I have. have. So we met, what, 16, 17 years ago now? Yeah. A long time ago. A long time ago. And I actually worked in the financial industry, and so did she. She owned a company, and she tried to hire me and took me on a kind of a weekend trip to tell me why I should come to work for her. Well, we just decided we'd be best friends after that. (laughs) And we did. We became best friends right from then. I knew when you walked in, when I was trying to hire you, the minute I didn't know I was going to be your best friend then, but I knew that um, that I was going to enjoy getting to know you because you walked, I remember you walking in, those high black patent um, heels on, I'll never forget it. And I thought you, you bounced in my office like with so much energy. I thought this girl's going to be fun to get to know. So I was thinking I was going to hire you at the time, but 
that didn't work out for for health reasons but um anyway yeah the rest is history we became best friends then and i think our friendship is something unusual and even other people around us including your family my family has said that as well it's like we became a part of each other's family and we you know, I, I said we've never had a fight that we haven't spoke or been on the outs ever. We are both strong personalities, and we disagree a lot. I mean, all, I'm usually right, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we don't fight because we do. We have we're both very passionate, type A personalities. Uh, we're engaged regardless of what the discussion is, whether it's community oriented or politics, or we have a you know we definitely disagree. Uh, but there's a level there of respect that um, and honesty that I think that that's pretty special to the point where you can really say what you think, like, oh, my God, what the heck are you wearing today <laughs> to, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that when we were there, those kinds of things, the real honest uh, the really honest conversations. And you, and you can have that when you know at the end of the day that the person is well-meaning and really always wants the best for you and so i think that that's probably why we not that we haven't fought because we do fight but we fight but you know but we've never like called each other names or done anything I like that them. no just easy <laughs> for sure but you know what i mean i think if everybody could disagree respectfully like we do we don't i would I would never want to hurt your feelings and not that we haven't hurt each other's feelings because sometimes we're tired. Uh, Andre and I did a trip around the world and we spent every day, every minute of every day in a hotel room and together for seven weeks. I'd have killed my husband probably step one. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that says a lot. Well, you know, to be able to be together. And I remember having one little tip. And it was in Australia and um, you weren't feeling well. You had got a cold and, and you Oh know, yeah, blame it on me being sick. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you know, and even then one little tiny, and then it's usually, oh, sorry, or, or why are you so cranky today? That's right. the sort of thing. It's not, it's not negative and hurtful and try to go for the jugular. I think it, we were so respectful and kind in our own, personal relationships with our mates right yeah we do well <laughs> we would do well well in saying that um because we have been so close and how our relationship is tell everyone how you felt when you found out i had Chester disease. oh okay so uh okay i don't want to cry um i mean it was devastating it was devastating because um, I'm a really take charge, uh, want to get to the nth degree, no, you can't be dying. Uh, I wanted to get all the information and it was absolutely devastating because I thought, how can this person that I see on the outside who's so vibrant, so energetic, so passionate, how can that person be sick to the point where, not a little bit sick, that she's going to die, you know, in a year. And I did a lot of research 
So besides what she was telling me about the disease, I was doing my own research. I went to doctor's appointments with her, specialist appointments with her, because I wanted to understand really, um, I tried to say, okay, I'm going to take all the emotion out of it and be logical. And really there's got to be a solution. That was where I was coming from because I really didn't want to accept the alternative. And I thought, well, we're going to go fighting right to the end. That's yeah. And you always said that you always would say, you're not going to die. Nope. That's impossible. You're not. And, and even your sister would say she's in denial. Like, Oh, for and, sure. A lot of people told me that a lot of people would say to me, you need to prepare yourself. And it would infuriate me because I thought, I'm not stupid. I know what the risks are. But if I let my mind go there, then I can't wallow in that. I've got to use the time I had because time was time was of the essence. So I had to use the time I had to, you know, try to find a solution. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'll go there if I need to go there. But right now, I can't be focused on that. And I remember actually one day maybe even twice you said you were sitting out on your uh deck trying to write my eulogy and i said i wanted to write my eulogy and you said that is one thing you control freak that uh you're not doing but uh you know you said you were you were trying to write that how would that have felt for you well i mean pretty hard but when your best friend um, your your sister asks you to do that that task you feel that you have to do it people you know again people would say to me oh well you'll never be able to do that well there would have been no question I absolutely would have done that for a lot of reasons but one is I felt I knew the best and that was my job to to do that and you know if I'm going to celebrate your life I knew all the secrets. I wanted to be able to share all the secrets. <laughs> yeah. But it was hard. It was a hard, it's a hard conversation to have with anyone. Imagine having that conversation. And we got in, um, because I wanted you to be at peace with that too. And you were so matter of fact about, you know, who were the pallbearers were going to be, what song was going to be played this. Um, I mean, you even wanted me to read you the, you know, what I had written and which I didn't. But you, you were very specific on what you wanted. And if that was going to, I didn't want your mind to be focused on that. I thought, okay, well, let's get this out of the way. This will make her feel better. And, um, you know, at first you're resisting. You're like, oh, let's not talk about that. But then it became really clear that, you know, you, you needed that for your own peace of mind to know that that part was all looked after. So you, you got to do what you got to do. Right. And after that, you know, first initial shock or, and how sick I really was. And you would come to the hospital every time I was in there and be pissed off if I didn't tell you I was in there and bring me really good food instead of hospital food. I will say, I remember us sitting in like, you know, ICU or whatever eating it was, the eating the pallet food. Yeah, it was great. And the nurses are like, you should have brought me some. And, you know, so I think going forward and when we found out that there was this drug called Zelberoff and I couldn't access it it was you went into get her done mode like you always do and I think we're a lot the same in that respect but um maybe tell everyone a little bit about you know 
how we got people together and what kind of process we went through to to begin this fight for Zelbaroth. So when we when we found out that <clears throat> there was a, a a treatment that seemed to be pretty effective in other countries. Um, and this drug was also available in Canada. It was available on our own New Brunswick drug formulary, but it wasn't for the right type of cancer. So when I, even when I say that, I'm sure you're thinking, well, that just doesn't make sense. It almost felt like the Minister of Health in New Brunswick was sort of playing God, that he was deciding. So, so what, the first thing that I kind of did was said, okay, I can't do this alone. We need to find a few people that are like-minded, that are passionate, that love Kelly, and that are smart, and that will will come along for the ride of this fight because I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy task. So we seeked out um, two of our friends that are near and dear to my heart, who I have a lot of respect and admiration for, and uh, one is Adam Jardine. And the other one is Sheila King. And these people became part of this fight. And we were really there to do some research, find out who we had to talk to, and go through the maze of the red tape to get to someone who would listen and un understand, you know, what our options were. And it just seems so elemental to us that if it was the course of treatment that would be good for somebody who had erred on Chester, whether they lived in Paris or California or wherever, and why couldn't we have access to it in Canada? But there were so few cases that um, we couldn't seem to get through to the, the people who were in the, in the know and in the decision-making process in, the, in our government to try to get us to a yes, um, you know, we'll allow her to take this drug. Because the drug was already approved, like I said before, in the drug formulary. So we weren't asking them to, you know, bring this new unknown drug onto the formulary, it was already there. It just wasn't there for that disease because nobody had this disease except for Kelly in New Brunswick. So that became a really challenging fight. And uh, and we did a lot of digging and a lot of Well, we would research. have these weekly meetings and everybody would be here. We would put <clears throat> our, you know, our thoughts together. And I remember we had got, um, a booklet and it was like a binder six inches thick and Sheila had compiled that with stuff from my doctor in New York and and literature and, and research and stuff and um, somebody came up with the idea to have um, people here write letters to the Minister of Health on my behalf and that was being done like you know, 50 a week or whatever that was. And he was just seeing my name all over the place. I think, um, you know, we brought media into it, which was a big thing. Uh, the local uh, newspapers, uh, CTV News did a few interviews. And it was really, at the end, I think that, uh, I think that we really thought that the reason they weren't approving was an education thing that they really didn't understand. So at one point, um, I spoke to the Minister of Health and offered to fly in the doctors, Kelly's doctors from, um, from New York and from Houston, and say, okay, I think it's an education problem. We're going to go to the board, which is made up of pharmacists and, and uh, like-minded people, and they're, they're medical people. And I think once they understand, 
they, they are just going to approve the drug. But, and I was offering to pay the expense to have them come here because you have to remember these doctors, they're, they, they can't even understand why she's not on the drug. They're like, okay, you have the drug and it's on the formulary. So why isn't she getting, they, they couldn't quite understand that. So it became a life, you know, one, we were, uh, we were running against the clock because we knew that, you know, what, from what we were, the research we had done that um, she didn't have longevity on her side. And it was a full blown argument that, so we thought, okay, if we, if the minister of health, you know, if his executive assistant gets, you know, 50 uh, letters a week saying, saying, uh, talking about Kelly Wilson, sooner or later, somebody is going to allow us to, to break through the doors and and it became a constant fight we went to we went to human rights uh we spoke to we found through the Erdon chester foundation member we found all the other patients that had four other ones, four yeah. other ones yep that had uh this disease we actually spoke to all these people about um what meds, they were what meds how were they getting recovered i mean we were doing it was a it was a full-time job and at the end of the day we weren't going to take a no and, and that, I think, is so key because I am so lucky to have had you and Sheila and Adam in my corner. And because I know being sick and then having to take on a fight like that and needing something so much that, you know, is a matter of life and death, it, you're not talking about... I mean, life and death, that's, that's what it is. And, and to have the people around me to give me that strength and to keep going. And, and when I couldn't, if I was too down and out, um, you guys still were doing that. And, and people have come to me and, you know, in similar situations. And I feel... I feel so empathetic for them because not everybody has the people in their corner that I have. And even as a one person who's sick, taking on that, that struggle and, and getting a no and getting door slammed in your face all the time is so frustrating because it's like, if I can just get that pill right over there, I'm going to be able to live and and see my children and, and continue with my life. And when the politicians and um, people are telling you no, I, I just can't think of anything more frustrating in my whole entire life. And, you know, at the end of the day, we I remember we were going to um, the legislature and we were going with all the media outlets and everything on a Tuesday morning. And, I, and then and there was a couple of Yeah. We had had a couple of hundred people that we had reached out to with signs and, and uh, that who, that were going to um, come with the signs that said, why me, not her. Yeah. That was three people in similar situations in our province that had got their medication. Yeah. Plus all our, the other people that we, those were three patients I'll call them but then we had all our other people there was like 220 people I think that we had and the news media knew that and we were going there because coupled with the fact that you know putting aside the fact that we all love Kelly we wanted her to live 
it, we really felt it was a social injustice. It could have happened to me, it could have happened to you, it could have happened to anyone. And the, it wasn't for economic reasons because the drug Zelbaroth was cheaper than the, the current medication that she was on. So for the life of us, we couldn't figure out, this is so one plus one equals two. Why is this such a stretch to have this approved? And there, 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 there seemed to be no logical reason. So we knew that the pressure eventually, uh, well, we hoped anyway, would work in our favor and somebody would, you know, see the light and, and we'd get this approved. And then I'll, um, I'll never forget, it was on November 11th. We were going to the legislature the next day. And then the interim of this, actually, we had met with MLAs and, uh, I mean, uh, it was just a whole storybook of things that we had, we, who had met and, and all the people. So there was just not one action. I think it was a summation of a whole lot of different things. But on November 11th, um, everything is closed. It's Remembrance Day. And I got a call from the government and they said, Kelly has been approved for the drug and we're about to call her and let her know and Ugh. best day, best, best day. day ever. And, and it was, and then, you know, I had to get everything in writing. Like I was afraid it was like, okay, this is great, but send it to me in writing, you know, just so that I would have it. Cause this was an 18 month fight and every month that went on, my body was deteriorating. And in fact, the last three months, I did start taking the drug paid for by myself and I accessed it through um, the drug company and started it. And it was in the very beginning, very hard. And I ended up in the hospital, but going forward, I'm three years later, I am doing well. It's the first drug that actually repressed the cancer. So my last PET scan showed that um, the the uh, lesions. lesions in my bones were, were lessened and I'm doing very well on this drug. Had I not got this drug, I would have not met my grandson. I would have not had the the last three years of experiences and get up and put my feet on the floor in the morning. And I can't even tell you um, how thankful I am for Andre and for the people in my life that helped me. I will never, ever forget that. And, you know, I remember talking about it. If we had to go through it again, Sheila, actually, because I, you know, I've had a few issues and, and there will come a time that I won't be able to, you know, take this drug anymore either because your body can only handle these immunosuppressive drugs for so long. And um, I said to Sheila, oh, we could never go through that again. And she goes, oh, yes, we could. <laughs> so, you know, there is, um, you know, there's something to be said for just having people in your life that really truly have your back and I well, guess. It's, an, it's an injustice and I think you see people all the time that just gather around something that's not right and this is what this was it was an injustice it wasn't right it made no sense whether it's from an economical or social or and everybody that we spoke the story to and we spoke it every day because it became like a job so we spoke it every day 
everybody we spoke to could resonate your story within themselves and think this could be me. And we said, we need you to do your part and we need you to write a letter and I'll be back here tomorrow to pick up the letter. And that's how I think pressure, I think, you know, that's how you, that's how movements happen. And that's how things get changed and get done because people band together and together they can move mountains. And that is so true because I mean, uh, the not giving up. Right. And I remember even speaking, I remember speaking to the minister of health and thinking and actually telling him saying, I, I don't know if your play here is going to be that, you know, you're going to put me off long enough because you know what her expected life expectancy is. And you think you're going to beat me to the punch, but if she dies and she doesn't get this, you know, then I'll be a, you think I'm bad now. It's going to be <laughs> 10 times worse. So get me to the people and so we can all come to a favorable solution for her. And you know what we did do that I feel very proud about is, you know, if there are more cases, now we have it listed on Health Canada. So the next people don't have to fight for this drug. And I remember the girl that called me to tell me the logistics of it all from the insurance company. She she said, like, every time I saw it come by my desk and it was a no, I felt so awful. And she said, like, I literally was crying and cheering when I saw that. And you've changed things for other people. And for us to be able to do that, you know, it, to make even a small little difference. I don't know how many cases of this there's going to be worldwide going forward. I don't know. But I know that nobody else in my position in this province is going to have to take on that. Well, no, you know, you never know, and that's you can never, you can't give up because of all the the monumental, the monumental things we did do that we thought we were going to get a response of, they didn't work, and then something just so innocent out of the blue. So I was trying to get a hold of the premier. He wasn't returning my calls. I was pretty frustrated. Called someone else, and that someone else said, "You need to talk to so and so." And you mean you you got to remember, I I told Kelly's health story a thousand times probably by then. And I remember speaking to that person and I was on the phone with him for about five minutes. And he said, well, that uh, sounds so simple. I said, I know. And he said, you leave it with me. And it was actually that person. I don't know if we can name him. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, it was that person who, who said, yeah, we, I can't see why this can't be done. And he was the one who called me on November 11th. And you think of all the, the, the high profile people that we talk to in our political, you know, arena and the government and, uh, you know, healthcare professionals and insurers. And we think of all the people and all the steps we've taken that one call that was five minutes made all the difference. So that's why the moral of that story is you just can never give up because right. you never know that one rock that's going to be overturned, be overturned and saying, yeah, we, this sounds pretty logical to me. There's no reason why we can't do this after, you know, 18 months, 18 months. And I don't know how many calls later. Well, I know for me, you know, that struggle and the frustration, it still led me to where I am today. And that if I look back even to the beginning of that fight, we had so many blessings we had. I did. I had people, the right people. I just, 
I had people fighting for me when I couldn't. And um, today, I'm a, you know, healthier than I would have been without the drug. I probably, uh, well, I know I wouldn't be here. And I'm living my life and finding the good in every single day. And I have uh, you to thank for it, Andre, and and Sheila and Adam and everyone who wrote letters and everyone who just didn't back down. And I, I owe you guys my life, truly. It's not just uh, a cliche statement. It's the truth. And Well, doing this every day, if you can help someone else, that's what it's all about, I think, in the big picture, is that if you can be that, that, one other person that you know hangs on to your word or your thoughts or that's I think that's what it's all about well and having other people reach out to me and being able to tell them my experience with the fight and directing them in the right uh in the right way uh, I think too is just another thing that I've learned and another thing I can bring to people so no I think thank you I think sometimes people get so overwhelmed they don't know what to do, where to go. Right. And you just got to, you know, you can't do it by yourself. You got to surround yourself with some some people that are as passionate about you and reach out to, you know, to your circle of friends. And um, because people innately want to help anyway. So if they're passionate about one thing and they see your passion, then they're going to want to jump on board and help. And it wasn't that we were that we were special or that we had an in or any of that. It's at the end of the day, if you... If you fight hard and you stay focused and eventually you'll get a breakthrough some way, somehow. Right. I'm just lucky that, you know, I stuck around long enough so we can win the end of fight. <laughs> well, we did. And I think that is the message today is just don't give up. And if you're fighting for the greater good and you believe in what you're doing and it's positive just don't ever give up. Just keep on fighting. Well, Andre, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. I know it was a bit of a stretch for you since you're not on Facebook or any other social media. I had to beg you to get on Instagram just to follow me. But <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I appreciate it very much. I think um, what we have together is very important. Well, I think it's really special and uh, it was a pleasure to do this. I think it's an important message and if we can help one other person, I think it was all worthwhile and plus I love you so it's pretty easy. <laughs> I love you too. Mm -hmm.